Hello everyone and welcome to Fascinating Nouns, your stopping point for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing a guy who's easily one of my favorite people in Los Angeles, Zach Gruper. Now, why do you care? Well, I'm going to tell you why you care. He's had one of those crazy Hollywood lives that you only see on movies or, or read about in the newspaper or, or watch on TV. He came out here. And he immediately started working for a cultural icon in Henry Winkler. You know him as the Fonz from Happy Days. He's a, he's a hand model. This guy's been seen in Target, and I think he actually has a promotion going now. We're going to get to that in a little bit. He's a writer for the Huffington Post. His articles get thousands of hits a month, and they're shared all over the country. He's also the accidental star of Hell's Kitchen. I, I say star, okay, I use that term. But it's probably not the exact term, but he's a reoccurring character in Hell's Kitchen, Francisco the Wedding Planner. He's also an award-winning documentary filmmaker from his days in Boston University where I met him. I mean, this guy, he's, he's done it all. So the whole reason why I wanted to talk to you is because you have probably you're the luckiest guy that I know outside of my brother. I am? You definitely are. And you... Um, I you, am lucky. You, you are super lucky. And I think it's one of, you are the epitome of a guy who... The, the saying where, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Like, you're that guy. Like, you are, whether it's by design or truthfully, you're the nicest guy that I know. And you're able to take, make the best out of an opportunity. And all these kind of cool things happen to you. At least to me. I, people may listen to this and be, <laughs> they may hate it. But to me, like, really cool stuff happens to you. Um, That's you know. so funny because I always think what happens to me must happen to everybody. You, you, you know? think so, really? Well, you yeah, think, I, I think like... You really believe that? Well, because I only know my own life, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm, we only know our, our own lives. And so I always believe the best in people. Mm-hmm. And whenever I go into a situation and it, and I, and I, and it is crazy and fun and, and yeah. takes me in interesting directions, and then I tell somebody, they almost fall over. And they go, how, does, how do these things happen to you? I'm like... Don't they happen to you? <laughs> How are they only happening to me? I, so anyway, I, it's so funny when somebody else tells me that I have such wonderful um, luck and great experiences. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up to you for a second. I've known you, I think I met you right before I left Boston. So I've known you my entire time in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I think I have secretly tried to dissect what you do mm-hmm. and and try to emulate the success that you've had with people because you, there's no one I've met that's like you. So anyway, this isn't a fluff piece about Zach. No, Let's but get you into some stories. I get along but... with everybody. Yeah. I really, I, I have, to my knowledge, not made any... Nemesis? I don't know. Nemesis? I don't know, yeah. No one wants to get you. I don't think so. Yeah. And... And that's where you and I differ. Basically, every single person I've met, whether it's a cashier or a janitor or or somebody in the store or or I don't know what, Uh in the workplace, I've just kind of like collected them all as Mm -hmm. friends, like Pokemon, or (laughs) collected them all, like, you know... to be my friends or fans or people yeah. I can have fun with at some point or it's um it's in my nature just to I'm a very peaceful happy person and I remember I was a teacher in the 90s before I went into television and working in LA and we had this one conference this like teacher workshop and they were like describe yourself in three adjectives and I just quickly wrote down peaceful 
happy, very, very creative. I, I know that was like, but anyway, so those are my three adjectives. Yeah. And everyone else, we went around the room and everyone else was like, my three adjectives are rigid, intense, intelligent. And, and, and everyone was describing themselves. My three adjectives are concerned. Um, and it was all this like kind of weird sort of troubling serious. neurotic stuff. Yeah. And then I was like happy, peaceful, and very, very creative. And everyone just looked at me. And it was the first time I said it out loud that how I really felt about myself. Yeah. And there was like a weird vibe of almost like envy amongst the mm. people I was working with. And they were looking at me saying, you're happy? I remember a couple of teachers come to me and they're like, you would describe yourself as happy and peaceful? I would love to feel that way. How do you feel that way? Whoa. And I'm like, how don't you feel that way? So I guess I was born that way. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you won, the, you won the lottery. And I wake up every morning really just feeling very, you know, joyful and content and ready just to attack the day in the best way. Yeah. I love making lists in the morning. I love decorating. You know, I love having flowers around me. Um, I love, I actually, you know, in my bedroom, I have, I've made my bedroom kind of like my lounge, but I have, you know, favorite stuffed animals from where the wild things are, mm. interesting little paper dolls, favorite old classic books, um, artwork by children, like my godsons and mm. nephews. Um, just like stuff that makes me full and happy and joyful. And I love surrounding myself with that. You know, yeah. like I'm looking around this room right now and it feels very blah in a way, uh -huh. a little on the bland side. Yeah. And if I moved in within a day, I'd be like, I need, you know, I want green and pink curtains. I want, th I would I really want to surround myself with like fun things that make me happy. Yeah. So anyway. And I'm taking this down. I'm going to, I'm going to have you in re <laughs> redo my living room. I keep thinking I'd be great in a prison. Because, you know, they're just so, like, cement and dull. Yeah. And everybody there is so probably angry and upset and sad and miserable. And yeah. I, I would go in and I would just be like, I don't know that I'd want to be sentenced to prison. But I, if I were just staying there, I could really perk people up. The, probably, I imagine, the anger and resentment has to do with, you know, why they're in there and being in prison for the next 30 years. That's That would bring you down, Zach. Yeah, that but I could down. bring them up. You think so? I could perk them up. That's, I would a, love... that's a reality show, by the way. That's a, that's a reality. We've just, we've just reinvented the reality show. Because uh, that would be interesting to take. I mean, how worse could you get than, uh, you know, if any Hollywood producers are listening, how worse could you get than being in prison and having someone come in and make everyone feel great about being in prison. Yeah. Well, feel great about their lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're still alive. You still can make an impact somewhere, even though you're in prison. What if you're in there for 30 years? I mean, what kind of impact can you make? I would you're say... Stuck, 30 years of your life are gone. They're gonna I be would say, away. you know, take up reading, take up drawing, take up painting, take up, you know, journal writing, um, sewing. I don't... Well, maybe not sewing because that's needles. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, there's got to be hobbies or fun outlets for people to do. Yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. That might be part of it. Is yeah. I my primary when I was two or three years old, I was drawing, and painting and reading. I was reading really young. At two years old. At two years old, I was reading books to kids who were like in kindergarten who couldn't read yet. 
<laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. So I started really young and I was extremely just exploding with creativity from toddler age. And art was all I wanted to do. Like when I was a senior in high school, all I did was draw. I would act I was actually not that social mm. in high school compared to now. I don't know what shifted. But in high school I had like two or three friends. I was I would turn down most invitations to things because I wanted to be alone in my room drawing. I was very, very completely consumed with drawing and making art. And so by senior year in high school, and my grades were not that great, mm. except for art, which was straight A's, straight A's, 100, 100, 100. And my parents actually, who are not art people really, they looked at me when I was a senior and said, what art school do you want to go to? What art school do you want to go to is like a wonderful question to hear when you are an art sure. artist in 12th grade. Sure, yeah. It wasn't like, we want you to go to law school or we want you to go to medical school or business school and trying to mold me into something I wasn't. So I said, what art school do I want to go to? Oh my gosh, thank you. Um, well, here's my list. And I got into <laughs> Pratt Institute. Yeah. And Pratt is in Brooklyn, New York. And it's a wonderful, incredible fine arts school. And they also architecture school. And I think going to New York City had a huge impact on my life. Because being in New York, suddenly I was exposed to the world. Every single walk of life and ethnicity. I didn't really know anything about black people. I didn't know anything about Jewish people. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know what Indian food tasted like. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Where were you from? I was from upstate New York, but it was a uh. sheltered little village called Scotia, which uh. is near Schenectady. And before that, I lived on farmland in outside of Akron, Ohio. And everybody around me my whole life was white, mostly Catholic, very much of sort of a similar mindset. Nice people, wonderful people, and just not any diversity, sort of, you know, like the world is today. I mean, it's kind of amazing how homogenous my upbringing was. And so going to New York, you know, and being exposed to jazz and punk and, you know, all different kinds of art and the wildest looking places oh, I've ever seen. Yeah, it's nuts. And also extreme poverty and garbage and crime and this was the late 80s it wasn't like the brooklyn and manhattan of today which is you know untouchable rent untouchable yeah. real estate everything's kind of been pretty pretty fied right um and that's great but in a way i'm kind of thankful i was in new york city in 87 mm -hmm. because that's when i was a freshman at pratt um because it was so gritty and grungy it kind of made you have to face the elements in a raw way yeah and but it didn't it didn't um make me cynical or dark or jaded or anything but it did give me a better rounded picture of the world and i took it in and fortunately in four years at pratt i was never mugged i was never killed you know <laughs> so there were people who were actually really yeah oh, wow. people i went to school with it was really gritty. It was really scary. Was the campus safe? Was it... The campus was safe within, inside the campus. But the one girl who was murdered in my freshman or sophomore wow. year, it happened just outside the gate of the campus on the sidewalk. It's like USC. 
Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Um, wow. And so, anyway. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. That's yeah, but oh, anyway, I, it was a wonderful experience being in New York City, being in art school. Yeah. And then after that, I went, I decided because I love kids so much and I love art so much that I would be an art teacher. I thought this is the perfect field for me. I, I can't possibly, I mean, I feel like Mr. Rogers. Mm. I just like love teaching kids, speaking to them on their level, playing with them. Yeah. I have two four or five-year-old godsons in LA and I, I tell the parents, I'll babysit for free any night of the week. <laughs> I just want to play with them. Yeah. I just want to put them to bed. I just yeah. want to like have fun. Yeah. Um, and they love Uncle Zach, you yeah. know, like I'm Uncle Zach. So I also have a three-year-old nephew, my brother's son. He's in Massachusetts and I don't get to see him frequently enough, but he'll sing me little songs on my th cell phone. And That's adorable. It's adorable. Yeah. Anyway, I love children. So I was an art teacher through the whole 90s. And I think being with kids constantly. What grade? I'm sorry. It was K through five. Okay. Although I started teaching three-year-olds. That was my first job was teaching preschool huh. in Manhattan just before all that. And I, I felt like all of that child energy just, um, I was so open to it that it almost was like taking like youth pills or something. You know, I stayed yeah. very, very happily childlike in my you know i'm not saying i was a arrested development or anything yeah, not mentally but but i just i just in my playfulness and my yeah. creativity it was extremely good for me and healthy yeah. this energy and then in 1999 i was nominated for massachusetts art teacher of the year hmm. which was a huge honor and at that point i probably taught about 10,000 children over the course of the 90s Whoa all age levels because in the summers I taught at the Middlesex School in Concord um, which was mostly middle school and high school and so I taught all age levels except for college and then I decided I wanted to go into film and television because it's something I kind of always secretly wanted to do but um, you know it was funny getting the Massachusetts Art Teacher of the Year nomination honor was like getting an Oscar for teaching. Mm -hmm. And my response to it was to leave teaching. <laughs> You've already I, hit the peak. You've I the felt pinnacle. like I had mastered this. Yeah. Also, it had been my whole 20s. Yeah. And I was like 29 and already a master teacher. And I felt like I now want to try something totally new and totally a new foreign world that I want to just get in there and explore and conquer. Yeah. And that was film and TV. And I remember teaching at the Middlesex School and they were filming School Ties, hmm. which was this kind of 90s movie with Brendan Fraser and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were in it in cameo roles. Like yep. they were almost extras. <laughs> and I remember talking to them on the set because it was taking place at the school where I was teaching and thinking, and they were my age. And then when Goodwill Hunting came out and they won Oscars, I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are my age and they just won Oscars. And I know I'm as good as them. Mm -hmm. I know I can write like they can write and I'm from Boston, just like them. And I think this is totally something I wanna try to do. Yeah. Their, like, their Oscar glory gave me sort of the inspiration to jump into this weird world of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 
immediately applied to Boston University. Yeah. And I remember applying to their film and TV departments. I applied to both in the, in the graduate school because I love film so much. But I also love TV and I grew up with it with like three TVs on in my house, all on different stations, always on, <laughs> yeah. absorbing it like a sponge. Uh-huh. I was the quintessential like TV land growing up kid with Happy Days on Laverne and Shirley and One Day at a Time and The Muppet Show and Twilight Zone. And, you know, I mean, everything from the 70s and 80s that was a big hit, Facts of Life, I mean, it just goes on and on. I was glued to, I mean, I know every episode of Alice. I... <laughs> <laughs> I love TV, yeah. and I thought I want to write for that, but I also totally love movies. I'm, I'm in the movie theaters a couple times a week watching everything that's good and new, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm particular. I don't just want to see new junk. I, like, I really pay attention to what critics say, and if something is really looking interesting, even if it's from a foreign country i never heard of, I want to go see that movie. So, And I love... Fantasy, I love horror, I love comedy, I love drama, I love it all, if it's good. Yeah. So, the Boston University Graduate School would not let me apply to both film and TV. They were like, you have, I remember getting the call. Really? Saying, we got your film application, we got your TV application, but you have to pick. You can't apply to both. And I said, oh. So, are you accepted to both? I, I, (laughs) I, I said, but why not? And they said, it's not fair. It's not fair if you apply to both. Because you have to pick one. Don't you, don't you prefer one over the other? And I remember being really? in my kitchen. I was living in Providence, Rhode Island at the time, uh-huh. a city that I love. And I remember being in my kitchen just like, oh my gosh, this is a life-changing decision. I said, okay, um, TV. And they were like, TV it is. And so they, did it, they kind of like threw my film application out or refunded me or whatever. And I, and I got into the TV graduate school. Hmm. And I was thrilled. You know, I was totally thrilled. I just knew this is a whole new chapter in my life. Yeah. And I um, left teaching, but I felt like, even though it was extremely bittersweet, and the kids were crying and the teachers were missing me, they had a huge goodbye thing for me. They, they made me a mural. Every single student in the school, about six or seven or 800 kids, drew a square of me and put it on a huge roll of mural paper. No kidding. I have never even unfurled the whole thing. It is so massively long, it would probably cover all of Park La Brea. I mean, wow. it would probably cover all of Melrose. I mean, it's so long, and every kid did a square of me, or of something that reminded them of me, or something. And they made this without my knowledge, and, and presented it to me when I was leaving, and it was so moving. Now, all those kids are like 20 Whoa. or wow. in college some yeah. are parents what? So a couple of them are stars and they're like young star actors I mean all a whole generation of kids that I taught yeah. are now adults and they found me on Facebook oh, and weird. they've written me the most incredible Mr. Zach you changed my life Mr. Zach you were the best teacher ever and here's what you did to me when I was young and I'll Never be able to thank you enough. I mean, the most beautiful notes. Yeah. And the fact that these kids who were not able to tie their shoes yet, and I would tie their shoes for them and yeah. comfort them and teach them painting. And I was just like such a friend to them. 
even though I was their teacher, I'd play with him on the playground. I mean, it was like, here he comes, the greatest teacher in the world. <laughs> yeah. And now they're like my friends on Facebook and they're adults. And it's just such like a wonderful, full circle yeah. feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. And, and the impact I had, I have to say, in one day of teaching, I got more pleasure than in 10 years in Hollywood. <laughs> in one day of teaching. Because the, the amount of reward from the love you feel from kids in a classroom in a given day and the joy that you bring to their faces and their hearts and the minds that you open and expand with the teaching, it's just like you can't even measure that. You can't even, you know, they say teachers aren't paid well and that's true, but um, the intangible award, rewards you get are like, I almost think like, how can an Oscar and an Emmy compare? It's just so amazing. That being said, yeah, so why are you I'm here? not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so why, <laughs> why are you here? You're so good at it. You're winning awards at it. You come out here to be miserable. No, I actually have been really happy out here because... Now, you, know, you know Ben Affleck, and they were your inspiration? Now, you know, the rumor is they didn't write Goodwill Hunting. I know, whatever, rumor schmoomer. I don't even know. I'm not Maybe. saying don't use it as inspiration. I'm just saying Yeah. It clearly what you're calling is teaching. Not now, to all talk I you know out of it. is that they inspired me. Yeah. I don't know what they did or didn't do. I but guess that, I that's all that, that matters room. then. Yeah, that's yeah. all that matters. And the film, you know, obviously still holds up. I see it once in a while on cable or something. And yeah. but what but my life has really, you know, I feel like it's just a new chapter. And it's been 10 years out in LA, and I basically just got in my car after graduating from BU, drove out here, didn't really know anybody but maybe two or three people, wasn't sure where to begin. Everyone I knew in Boston was, almost everybody I knew was scared for me, because all you hear about LA and Boston is crime and earthquakes and gangs and smog and I don't know porn and Scientology and I don't even know what <laughs> like everything corrupt and sort of problematic yeah so drugs. I get out here and it was like Dorothy walking into Oz like there were fruits on trees and flowers are blooming it was April yeah which Massachusetts was still buried in ice and snow and sure gray was. And very you know no leaves and you come out here and it's like it's like oh fantasy land. You can go pick lemons. You can pick lemons and I had lemons on and... my tree. Yeah. I, so I went, I basically, one of my BU professors hooked me up with a friend of hers who was a producer on Entertainment Tonight. He said, come stay with me in my house in Silver Lake as long as you want. I won't charge you. Just see if you like LA. It'd be great to have you stay with me. So I took him up on it. This guy I had just met who was really wonderful. And so I came out here and I thought, you know what? People out here are really nice. And actually, people out here, it's like a patchwork quilt. Like, everyone's from somewhere else. And that makes life really kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And wow, imagine the people I can meet. Every, everywhere I went, every coffee shop and everywhere I went, I just was making friends constantly. And um, within a year of living here, I remember I was on a panel talking about how to make it in L.A. Or that something. sounds familiar. I remember seeing your name on there. Because I met you in Boston. And I think I saw you on the panel. And, I came and there to were see people it. in yeah. the audience who had been here for decades, and they're like, "Please tell me the secret on how to make it in LA." <laughs> and I'm on the panel, like, "Well, eight what months you later, do right? is, <laughs> I know." <laughs> and it was just really funny. So I, I have a very naturally good attitude. I never, I really, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. I never really think negative thoughts. 
Ever? Really never. And if somebody's around me and they're and they're in the negative zone in their thinking or speaking, I'll be like, it's not so bad. Look at blah, 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 blah. And I'll point to something in their life that they weren't thinking about. And they'll be like, oh, you're right. I just have a, I just, I don't know what. Maybe it's genetic. I don't know what. I feel like I'm just so optimistic all the time. If there was a zombie apocalypse, I'd be like, it's okay. You know what? We can just like hunker down here. We have a lot of candy bars. You know, we have candles. Anyone it's, you ever love will be coming back. <laughs> yeah, they'll be coming back. Yeah. And you know what? We don't have to worry about that okay. nine to five life anymore. It's like, like I would like, I would spin it in some way. I wouldn't be panicked and freaking out and crying. Yeah. It's weird. I can handle all sorts of stuff with just sort of like, you know, smiles and I, I don't know. I don't know. It's really, it's really, I guess I am a one of a kind. You, no, and I'll tell you this. Here's why. I mean, because, you know, this is genuine. I mean, I've known you a long time and that's a genuine gift of yours. And it's, it's rare. It's not, it's not that everyone, life's difficult. Life's really hard. And, and I think that people, it's very easy for people to get bogged down, you know, especially in Los Angeles when people have goals and dreams and it's the dream factory. 1% of people make it, if that. So there's a constant struggle to make it, and, you know... Here's you, what I do. Yeah. All I do every day is say yes to everything. And I help everybody every way I can. So, like, you know, everything from a homeless person on the sidewalk sleeping on a sidewalk by a mailbox, I'll take a blanket out of my car and be like, it's going to be cold tonight. You'll need this. And I'll just put it on him. And then I'll be like, well, I just lost my blanket my mom gave me for Christmas, but he's going to be a little warmer. Maybe he'll live another day, you know? <laughs> so, and then, I, and then I drive off. I'm also, not to be religious or anything, because yeah. everybody, I respect every God and every religion and everything, but I do feel very Catholic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was raised that way. I stayed Catholic. I go to church on Sundays. I don't, I'm not preachy. I don't lecture it to other people. But I do feel like maybe there's something to be said for my close connection with God mm. and saints and angels and all of the things about the Catholic politics totally aside, mm -hmm. totally aside, I have such a, like a really good connection with a God, you know? I mean, whatever you want to call God and whatever religion you are, I have a great connection with, with something bigger than us yeah i i pray i feel like my prayers are listened to you know so do i um they say praying is talking to god and meditating is listening to god mm. and and i listen and i'm very i am very peaceful and i love being alone as social as i am i love quiet i love i'm still in a way like that high school kid who turns down invitations and tries to think of reasons why I don't want to go to something yeah. because I actually really value alone time. And maybe that's why I'm single eternally. <laughs> I, I said to a friend, what if I put on Facebook, uh, Zach is in a relationship. She goes, oh my gosh, everyone would have a heart attack. <laughs> no, it is strange because, I mean, you like kids and usually people, you know, whatever well, they settle down, the they have kids. I would love and... to be a dad. Yeah. But I know what it takes to be a parent, yeah. having been a teacher for so long. And there's a lot of bad parents out there. And there's actually, I would say, a massive parenting crisis going on 
Um, and I, I want to have all the things in place before being a dad happens, mm -hmm. which means I'd like to own my own home. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have, you know, it's not cheap to have kids. I want to have, I'm almost there. Um, I'm so blessed because I just landed this amazing new full-time job. Yeah. Job number 8,052 well, we should start in Hollywood. At, we should start at the beginning because your first job was with Henry Winkler and you were a Well, fan. actually, just before Henry Winkler, the year before Henry Winkler, I was, first, I was a logger, like a tape logger on a reality oh, show oh, fun. <laughs> about soldiers in Afghanistan called oh, Profiles yeah. from the Frontlines, oh, which, which was very short-lived and it was a torturous job, That's but awesome. I loved the people I worked with and yeah. it was a Jerry Bruckheimer show it was a night shift job so i went to work at like five or six p.m and i got out at like two or three in the morning oh, every yeah. day well that takes its toll yeah and after a few months of that i just was like i don't think i can keep doing this and all night long i'm just logging footage of a plane flying in the sky <laughs> Where's your positive spin, Zach? Where's the positive? <laughs> well, my positive spin was I loved my coworkers. Yeah. So I loved them so much. They actually had a party for me when I left, even <laughs> though I was only there two months. But, <laughs> and I still am in touch with some of them. Get out of here. Oh yeah, they're great. And so I left that and became Sally Kirkland's personal assistant. Oh. Sally Kirkland is an Oscar-nominated actress for Anna. She was. She won the Golden Globe that year for Best Dramatic Actress, but lost the Oscar to Cher and Moonstruck, to put the year in perspective. <laughs> 88, I Thank believe you. it was. Maybe 80, yeah, 88. 87, 88. Anyway, so she was one of my favorite actresses, because Anna, that movie was an independent, low-budget film that got an Oscar nomination, and it was up mm. against Moonstruck and these huge studio films. Mm. And I remember seeing Anna on the big screen and loving it and saying, oh my gosh, I want to write... A character like Anna I want to write a movie like this yeah her performance made me want to be a writer hmm. and before that all I was thinking was I want to be a fine artist I want to be an artist I want to be a painter and then all of a sudden I was like no wait I want to be a writer I want to write Anna I want to write another one like that so Sally Kirkland had been quietly sort of an inspiration or an idol to me her career was very eclectic. She was an independent film actress. A lot of people still don't know who she is. They think it's Sally Kellerman. Anyway, or <laughs> God knows who. Right. Um, but she is Sally Kirkland. And I came out here and I heard she was having an art show. So I walked in there and I saw her. And I said, and she looks at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm face to face with Sally Kirkland. This is actually happening. Yeah. And she goes, young man, um, what do you think of my art? And being an artist, I was able to to talk about the compositions and the colors. And she goes, you're an artist. And I said, yes. And she goes, you're a Virgo. And I said, yes. I thought, how did she know that? And she goes, are you my new assistant? And I said, yes. And she said, did God just send you into Sally's life? And I said, yes, Sally, I think God just sent us both together. And she goes, you start right now. And she was having this party. Did this with, really happen that way? Exactly that way. And, <laughs> That's and, crazy. And Gary Busey was there. Even crazier. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all of her celebrity friends were there. Who's the porn guy? Ron Jeremy? Yeah, he was there. Judy Tenuta was there. Downtown Julie Brown. It, um, oh, wow. <laughs> um, Joe Beth Williams. There was a whole bunch of, like, a, a medley of odd celebrities there. And 
I was suddenly her assistant. I was suddenly like the bartender. Her, As you in, know, she give you jobs there to do? I was, like, I was here, like, take this down. I was like her wardrobe person. I was like getting the food. I was like greeting everybody. I was just doing everything. She asked me to write her obituaries. I was like, are you Wait, dying? What? She was like, I'm not dying. Why are you depressing me? Anyway, so I learned that a, I learned whoa. that assisting, you know, Hollywood folk mm. is a whole other world. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole other world. Yeah. And it was really just also extremely eye-opening, like moving to Brooklyn or like anything else. I just was so excited to be, oh my gosh, I'm Sally Kirkland's right-hand man. Well, within a, after a few months, I just was like, I have to find a real job working in TV. Like, that's why I came out here. Mm-hmm. At one point, assisting Sally Kirkland, Barbara Streisand started fighting with her at a party to grab me to be her assistant. And you were getting poached at a party. I was getting, it was a tug of war. Um, and Sally's like, don't go to Barbara, please. She, she, please, please stay with Sally. And I said, Sally, I, I will, I'll stay with you. I don't want to just like work my way up the you know diva food chain to be you know the ultimate assistant to the ultimate you know diva woman yeah. actress. I just want to be a TV writer. But this is great material. Thank you, Sally. Yeah, and yeah. Please. Continue. Anyway, so notes. I what was that? Something um, fell. Oh, okay. So <laughs> then anyway, I started to really focus on writing scripts. I landed a manager who's still my manager eight years later. Wow. Um, Cherie Guitar. And I have been every year up for staffing season. And, you know, the one real frustrating thing I have to say in my Hollywood career has been I have yet to land a scripted series as a staff writer. Hmm. I've been up at bat every year. Hmm. Every year I write really good scripts that get tremendous response. Everybody likes me. I'm just, I know it's just, it's just like somehow it's going to just click. Maybe it's this year. Actually, I have a great opportunity right now on an ABC comedy series. But I, um, it's extremely competitive. And it's extremely who you know and who knows you. And you know, um, being a white male as a TV writer, they're often, that's not what they're looking for these days. It used days. to be. Ten years ago, you would have been, you would have come out here. I know. I'm, everyone's always being like, ten years ago, you would have been great. Yeah. Twenty years ago, <laughs> you would have been, you would have had an yeah. Emmy. Yeah. Anyway, but I'm, I'm, this is just a sort of a tribute to my positive attitude because I'm just undeterred. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm at bat again. I'm going to do it this time. And in the meantime, all sorts of crazy, amazing, wonderful opportunities keep occurring in my life. So I'm not like, you know, just miserable and, you know, unemployed and destitute. And right. Because for one, I was discovered as a hand model and became the hands of Target stores and Joe's Crab Shack restaurants. I was going to ask you, are you still, that was one, are you still doing that? Is it? Um, I'm not doing it as much lately. The last thing I did was last year I worked... Um, on a J.C. Penney thing for Tori Spelling, um, which was just so fun. But <laughs> it's I just I find all that really fun. And as all these people are fawning over my fingers and are making me hold a product and are like trying to light my hand just perfectly and stroking my hand and like staring at my hand, talking to my hand like I'm not even connected. That's so I crazy. I just sit, stand there and go, okay, this is another thousand dollars I'm going to make that. 
good for me. Like, yeah. wow, thank you, Mom and Dad, for giving me such beautiful hands. <laughs> right, yeah. And thank you, me, for taking care of my hands. Do they get a cut of it? Do your parents do you No, that? they just get the residual joy. <laughs> so, um, and they get to go into Target stores and see my hands see your on hands pictures. Are, yeah. What else happened? Um, so, Henry, so Henry Winkler. So Henry the Winkler then... I mean, of course, I grew up loving and watching Happy Days. Yeah. My bedtime was 8 p.m. as a first grader and second grader, except for Tuesday nights when my parents would let me stay up and watch Happy Days till 8.30. Wow. And if I was really, really lucky, I'd be able to watch Laverne and Shirley till 9, which followed it. Ooh. So, and that was like the adult hour. Like, bedtime was 8. They yeah. were, my parents were very like, that's your bedtime. And also, I didn't have the stamina to stay up late. Mm. A lot of kids today, I don't know how they kids today. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you stay up till midnight, kids. I don't know, because I, I was zonked out by eight yeah. or nine. Um, I'm a really good sleeper, by the way. Oh, I that's, sleep. That's, I was going to ask you that. Every night sleeper? of my life, I can sleep for 10 hours without interruption. Mm. I don't know how I do it. Everyone asks me. <laughs> I think I'm just so peaceful and... I don't let stress affect me. It just, just like, it's like water just dripping off me, like, like out of a shower or something. Like, stress just falls off me. I don't absorb it. I could be having, you know, bill collectors at my door, pounding down my door, and I'd be like, it's going to be okay. You know why? I'd come up with some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I could get some terrible diagnosis. And I'd be like, it's going to be okay. You know why? Because... There's pizza in the world. And you know what? That's I just a good love... call. Yeah, I love pizza. That's a good one. That's good for anything. Right. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse. We can still make pizza. Right. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, we're running low on dough? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... So what would... Hold on. So Henry something. Winkler... Well, I want to pause for a second. This thought just popped into my head. What would really bum you out? Like, what would really... There's got to be something. Then we'll get to Henry Winkler, but there's got to well, be... Well, I mean, gotta, obviously, like, obviously, like... A death in the family yeah. would probably be devastating. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. You know, I mean, like, I don't want to lose my loved ones. Yeah. Which is quite a few people, actually. I mean, yeah. there's, I feel like I love everybody. I yeah. love my friends so yeah. much. Yeah. I love the people I work with. I love all the people I've ever taught and worked with. Um, all the people I've gone to school with. I have two graduate degrees, so I've been to school a lot of times. Wow. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I of course love my family and all my cousins and relatives and everybody. So when anybody's suffering, it's like, it is agony, you know, there's an agony to it. And, um, I lost my godmother two or three years ago, my beloved Aunt Doreen to, um, lung cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. She was diagnosed in like October and passed away in December. Whoa. I mean, it was just like. Shocking. And my birthday's in September. September 11th, I'm born. And she, I remember, she sent me that year for my birthday a check. Like, it was so nice to get it as an adult, a check right. for my birthday from my aunt. Um, and little gifts, little keychain, um, a beautiful card and note. And in the note, she said, you know, I've been feeling like I've been coming down with a cold lately. Hmm. She, I mean, she had no idea. No one had any idea. Wow. And then in October, I got the call that she had cancer. I was like, <gasps> and then in December, I got the call that she'd passed away. And it was just like, just like that. oh my gosh. So I really like, I mean, it, it seems cliche, but I just like 100% love every day of life, you know? And 
like after I'm done here with you, I have a whole list of wonderful things I'm going to do, including visit <laughs> Sally Kirkland in the hospital who broke her foot, uh, go to church, ha treat myself to an incredible lunch because I haven't really eaten anything yet today. Oh. <laughs> um, and I love to eat and yeah. I love food. And thank God I'm slim um, because I don't know how that happened. I, sh I should be like 500 pounds. I eat everything I love, you know. I'm just so easy to feed. I'd be great on Survivor, you know, out in <laughs> yeah. the wild, Eating like where there's just barks and ants. Yeah, you know? rats. <laughs> uh, you, I don't know what they eat. I don't, but I've never seen the show. Anyway. Oh, so, so wait, get, the, I just, get back on Henry Winkler. So you started Oh, there. yeah. So Henry Winkler, <clears throat> basically, I needed a job. Yeah. And I didn't want to be Sally Kirkland's assistant anymore. No offense, Sally, because you'll probably listen to this. But yeah. I love her. I just needed to be working in TV. Yeah. I, that's why I came out here. Yeah. So I called Jean Marie Bremer. Do you remember her? Mm, remind me. Okay. She was in the class just before me at BU. Okay. And I was in the class just before you. Yeah. So I don't know that I knew her. Okay. Well, anyway, she had moved out here. She was working a lot on award shows. And I said, Jean Marie, please, if you know of anything, let me know. She goes, actually, at Hollywood Squares, Henry Winkler is the executive producer. They're looking for an assistant. I can refer you over there. I said, that'd be great. Like a day later, I got a call for the interview. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to interview with Henry <clears throat> Winkler. Henry Winkler. Right. The like The Fonz. I think I had a Fonz lunchbox. <laughs> I know I had a Fonzie pin that yeah. I wore with his face on it with the thumbs up. Yeah. I, like, he's ingrained in me like any character from classic literature. I mean, he's just, he's like way up there like as the icon. Yeah, all the twists. So, right. So, I don't know what today's equivalent would be. I can't even imagine mm. someone who, Oprah, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I... <laughs> Kramer maybe, someone who's so ingrained in like, right. as a character. But I'm saying for young people, I don't know mm. who it would be. Yeah, maybe Justin know. Bieber, I don't even know. Don't but know. Henry Winkler as the Fonz was cool. He had morals, he was smart. He was a leader. He was a good role model. He always did the right thing. He could dance. He was like, you know, just everybody loved him. Men, women, older people, children, animals. Right. There was like an episode where he snapped his fingers and like the raccoons went to sleep because he was <laughs> camping. It was unbelievable. So, so I just thought this is the ultimate guy. I can't believe yeah. I'm going to interview to be his assistant. We got along great. It was he and Michael Levitt were both in the room. I interviewed. And on the drive home, they called... Henry called my cell phone and said, you're all we want to take care of us. Will you take care of me? And I was like, Whoa. oh, my gosh, crashed the car. <laughs> so I took the job, and it was a difficult job yeah. because I was assisting two executive producers yeah. on a long-running game show. Yeah. There was a tremendous amount of learning. The pay was not great. It was still a pretty prestigious place to be, full benefits after, like, 90 days. Um, and... It was Hollywood Squares. It's like an iconic show. It's such yeah. a cool credit to have on your resume. Mm -hmm. um, I kept every week thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired because I kept messing up. Innocent, innocent little problems. Would, sure. Things would go awry. Yeah. And everything that went awry seemed to have my name attached to it. <laughs> and Henry was very sweet and patient <laughs> and very loving and caring and yeah. like very uncle-like. <clears throat> Not like a you know, cracking the whip boss, not mean, never mean. Michael Levitt was totally different. Mm. He was like very temperamental, hard to, hard to get him to sort of smile or warm up to you in the beginning. 
Michael Levitt and I are very good friends now. Hmm. And amazingly, mm-hmm. I lasted not just through Hollywood Squares, but Michael ended up taking me on as his assistant into his production company, which I ended up practically running. Mm. And stayed with Michael, I don't know what, eight, nine years? So Yeah. So like a long time. Yeah. Almost a decade. Maybe a decade. I don't even know. I lost count. <laughs> but in the, in the course of the years with Henry and Michael, I worked on Hollywood Squares, the Happy Days reunion special, oh, right. the Knott's Landing reunion special, right. the Dallas reunion special. They did a ton of these. And then the Dynasty reunion special, which they had me write. And by then, because they knew I, I was a writer and I wanted to write, yeah. they were like, Zach, we want you to write the next show, which is going to be the Dynasty reunion. Well, Dynasty to me in the 80s was like Happy Days was to me in the 70s. I right. mean, I stayed up on Wednesday nights to watch Dynasty, and I was probably the youngest viewing member of the Dynasty audience. I imagine so, yeah. I would watch it with my mom, and we were obsessed. And then I'd go to school the next day and had a few classmates who would be like, oh my gosh, did you see what Blake Carrington did tonight to Alexis Carrington last night? Oh my gosh, and Sammy Joe. And did you see, and I love her, and oh my gosh, I hate her. And did you see how she, and that, that was so backhanded. Then they had a cat fight. <laughs> and so it was like the water cooler show, yeah. Dynasty. And here I am writing the words for Joan Collins and John Forsyth and Linda Evans and the whole cast was there and most of the cast. And we filmed it in the Dynasty Mansion I really felt like, oh my gosh, I've crossed through the looking glass, like Alice, to the other side. I mean, I didn't know you could do that living in Scotia, New York, watching Dynasty. Yeah. I'm now writing their words. I'm now a member of the Writers Guild. I'm now a member of the Emmy Academy voters. Like, I can vote for the primetime Emmys. And so I racked up enough writing credits through Michael Levitt. Thank you, Michael. Um, All these award shows, Scream Awards. Um, so you were doing those, awards. right? You were doing music awards. Tons of award shows. Yeah. Movie award shows. I ended up writing the questions Ryan Seacrest asks on the red carpet at the oh, Oscars wow. and the Golden Globes and the Grammys. Um, you know, E! Live from the Red Carpet, those shows that you watch before the actual big ceremony. People don't even know those are written. I got cast on Hell's Kitchen as yeah. a wedding planner and a party planner. A total bizarre... That was crazy. Kind of like hand modeling. Like it just came out of the blue where they said, we want you to play this character. You're so funny. Just be yourself. Just be crazy and flamboyant. Be outrageous like you always are. And I'm like, I come across that way? And the, and it was a reality show and I'm playing a fictional character. Um, and it was a blast. And they ended up asking me back another episode, another season. And then it turned into another episode on another season. And I was like, I'm a recurring character on a yeah. primetime series. Right, yeah. I'm an actor, I guess. Yeah. Like 12 million people view that show on a given night. Yeah. Because it, it's on, or at least it was then on after American Idol. Yeah. So it was just phenomenally surreal and exciting and fun. Yeah. It was all improv. I mean... <laughs> People go to school for improv, <laughs> yeah. and I was just pulled off the sidewalk to do this role. <laughs> so then that led me in funny new directions. Because you even made a website for the character. And I did, FranciscoTheWeddingPlanner.com. Yeah. It's and still up. Is it really? It's still up. Who, who go ma- there. Who maintains it? I do. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I don't add new content or anything. It's just, it's just up. You just pay Once for it in a blue there. moon, I still get someone contacting me being like, I'm doing a wedding. Can you please help me with advice? Um, or we're a resort and we really want to cater to a wedding crowd. What tips can you give us? I, I still am being asked advice. So what, what do you do with those? I respond as Francisco. 
As someone says, hey, can you cater this? What do you say? Yeah, sure. I field it out and then take a commission. No kidding. <laughs> so you never show up? No. Because Francisco's too busy. You know, he's super busy. He made those TV appearances, but he's like, he's planning parties for kings of, you know, Siam somewhere. <laughs> I don't even know. So you take a commission <clears> on <throat> this. This is still legit. You, it's, a, it's a revenue stream. It, it, it could be more if I ever, like, actually worked on it more. Wow. But I've got too much else going on. Yeah. Like, I'm a senior publicist now for yeah. Andrew Friedman Public Relations. So how did this, how did this come up? <laughs> now this... I'm a publicist. Yeah, how did the... Chapter 22. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I had been writing for the Huffington Post and for Venice Magazine and for all of these just media outlets over yeah. the last couple of years for fun, kind of like you do your podcast. Yeah. And I love to write. And I love to write about interesting people. Yeah. So... A friend of mine, or one of my best friends in L.A. who's a makeup artist, was good friends with the editor of Venice Magazine. This was 2008. Hooked me up with her. She took me on, having never even read me, she took me on as a writer for Venice Magazine because she really liked my personality on the phone. So I started writing stuff for her, and when we clicked, and it worked out great. Mm -hmm. That lasted for several years, and eventually I started writing for the Huffington Post, through another friend of mine who introduced me to an editor there who happens to be Albert Brooks's wife, Kimberly Brooks. She's their yeah, arts editor. Yeah, really? It's so that's, like... That's bizarre. <laughs> anyways, it's so funny and crazy. So I started writing for them, and I love writing for the Huffington Post because it's so widely read. So you, you put an article, you submit an article, it gets posted, and then it's suddenly wildfire. Yeah. And it can be picked up by, like, the Missouri Sun or, like, right, the North yeah. Dakota... Sentinel or I don't know what like all of a sudden your articles are everywhere and it's very exciting to see how they have this crazy life of millions of people tweeting and sharing and liking and hitting it and this and that and shmooing it and blueing it and blueing it blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean it's like stuff I don't even know what they're doing to it yeah. but um, it, it's just amazing and Andrew Friedman is a respected longtime publicist in Hollywood with his wife Patty and they run AEFPR I had written about a lot of their clients over the years, and he, he emailed me out of the blue a couple weeks ago, like less than a month ago, saying, we're looking for a senior publicist. We want someone just like you. We love you, Zach. We love your personality and your writing. You get along with everybody. Um, let me know if you have anyone in mind. We're not advertising this. We're just coming to you to see if you know anybody. And I developed a, a really nice relationship with them. And I wrote them back and I said, let me just put this out there. What about me? I mean, I'm just like me. And I write just like me. And you like me. And so I like you. And I'm looking for full-time work. And would you be interested in taking me on as a senior publicist? I'm sure there'd be a little learning curve because I'm not coming from a big PR firm or anything. But I can learn it. I can do it. I get along with everybody. Isn't that what PR is? So... He, was, he wrote me back immediately. He's like, how much? How much do you want? I'm grinning ear to ear. He goes, that's the response I wanted, but I didn't dare ask. And I said... <laughs> but I didn't dare ask. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, and I said, well, let's meet. So we figured it out. They offered me a good amount. I'm happy. I'm, um, I love them. They're like among the nicest, most wonderful people I've ever worked for. And it's only been like less than a month. Um, I work from their home, which is beautiful. I love the clients they have. The work is totally up my alley. I'm like, geez, 
I'm kind of like a natural publicist, I guess, um, because I've been in writing all these Huffington Post articles and Venice Magazine profiles on people. Promoting I'm them. Really, <laughs> I'm really writing PR pieces. Yeah. I mean, I don't write anything negative. It's so funny because I don't even think negatively, but I can't write negatively about movies or people. Mm. I would rather not write at all. Mm. I don't want... So basically, once in a while, someone will be like, come see my play. And if I really don't like it, if I really, really, really don't like it, I'll be like, can I just not write about it? Like, I just want to pass. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I really think there's a lot of good stuff here, but I'm just going to pass. And they'll be like, okay, okay. And that's the nicest I can be. Because the I don't... The nicest, meanest you can be. The nicest, meanest I can be. Yeah. I, I don't... Um, I only want to write about... First of all, I love my friends and I love people who are doing really exciting, cool things, whether it's in art or drama or whatever they're doing. And so I recently got uh, pranked on sort of, I guess, yeah, pranked on Jay Leno's Tonight Show by the resident magician who does all of these kind of candid camera magic tricks on people that they don't know magic tricks are being done to them. Mm -hmm. And it was so fun. And it was so, <clears throat> the response was so huge. This was at Thanksgiving. I walked into a store. Have you ever seen The Magic Clerk? Mm -mm. This is a regular segment on The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. And basically, I walk in a store, and all these alarms started going off when I was at the cash register. And the clerk is like, he's The Magic Clerk. But I didn't know who he was. I, I had never saw him before on The Tonight Show. Thankfully, or else it would have been probably not the same experience. Right, yeah, yeah. But he's like, oh, you, you're a lucky winner. You win one of these three boxes for Thanksgiving. It's a big giveaway we're doing. And I'm like, I, I'm a winner? Okay, I guess the one with the red, red ribbon. <laughs> and he gives it to me, and I open it up, and a chicken flies out. And he goes, oh, look at that. You won a chicken. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm holding it, flapping its wings in my <laughs> right. face. And I'm, you know, it, it's kind of like it's hard to hold a chicken. Yeah, they've got even... really sharp claws yeah. on their talons and yeah. sharp beaks, and they yeah. move erratically, and <laughs> and there's feathers everywhere, and yeah. I don't want to hurt it. I don't, yeah. And I'm also scared it's going to hurt me. So I said, what are you going to do with this chicken? I said to the clerk. He goes, well, George, you just won it. I'm like, I can't take this home. What am I supposed to do? And he goes, it's yours. I'm sorry. We can't keep it here. I'm like, oh, no. Okay. Okay, then I'll put it back in the box and I'll take it home. I'm going to take it home. And I walk out of the store with the chicken in the box and my Tic Tacs that I went in to get. And oh, you won the chicken on Tic Tacs. That's how you won? That was the... Yeah. You bought Tic Tacs and then you were the... And then I was the lucky winner. That's so funny. So I walk out and then, of course, they reveal to me in the parking lot as I'm walking out with the chicken in the box... Um, that was a Tonight Show. You were just, that was hilarious. You were so funny. You're definitely going to make the cut. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wait, your chicken uh, back? And I had to sign a release and they took the chicken from my hand. I said, what about the chicken? And they're like, oh, well, the chicken has like, you know, an agent at CAA. The chicken is like no. probably better situated than you are. <laughs> like the chicken has lawyers and like handlers and everybody. And they were all in the back room the watching you like secret cameras. And so I was, I was like, okay, lucky chicken, bye, I guess. Okay. And so, and it was pouring rain, which never happens in LA. I was all yeah. discombobulated. I was yeah. on my way to a job interview. And as a result, I became friends with that magician. And... I reached out to him. He performs at the Magic Castle here in L.A. I went to see him. 
perform. He's brilliant. And now I'm writing a Huffington Post article about him. No kidding. And because I really want to promote great people doing interesting things, people who I like, you know? So, um, so anyways, it makes me happy to help people. And maybe that's why I've had so much good fortune and, and blessings. I really feel like maybe that has something to do with it. Because people call me, please help, please help me with this, please help me with this. And I will drop everything and try to help them for five minutes with whatever it is. You know, I didn't even know what I was doing here with you today. I was just like, yes, I'll be there. I honestly had no idea. That was perfect. <laughs> so this is a perfect example. Yeah, I didn't have to twist your arm or anything. It was like, I know. Oh, yeah, great, come on over. Well, so let's, um, this is a great way to close. So what, what kind of knowledge did you impart on someone who wants to have, I mean, because you, you know all the, you know, it just, how does it all work for you? Is it just in, you know, is it all? Here's my advice yeah. to the world. Be nice to everybody. Just be nice to people. There's no reason to be bitchy and jealous and resentful and angry and harboring anger. All it's going to do is cause you to have like a, you know, an ulcer, a tumor, or God knows what, a toothache. I don't know what it manifests into. Yeah. Hair falling out. I don't know. Just, But you're going to benefit yourself and the world by being nice to people. I mean, it sounds so Mr. Rogers-y. Mm. It's such the kindergarten teacher coming out oh, yeah, of me. Totally, yeah, absolutely. But it's really like the essence of everything. I don't, I don't know why anyone would be anything but nice and respectful to anybody else, ever. Even if you're really wronged, and of course you, you, you feel, you know, it's only human to feel angry and to feel upset about something. Um, but you have to let it go. You know, it's not worth hanging on to. And then there are certain people who are just toxic, who are just tough. They try your every last shred of patience. And I've had those people. I've worked for those people. I've worked with those people. Um, and you just have to let it not bother you somehow. Mm. You have to let it just roll off of you. Because, you know, I love Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. I was talking about Alice earlier. Yeah. And... At the end of that book, at the end of her dream in Wonderland, at the end of the nightmare in the book, the army of cards is chasing her. Are you familiar with yeah, this? Yeah. And the queen of hearts is about to chop her head off. And the army of cards is coming after her. And she eats a piece of the mushroom and turns really big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Microphone. And she turns enormously big. And she looks down at the cards. And she picks them up and she goes, you're just a pack of cards. And then she throws them and then she wakes up and the cards are like the leaves falling from the tree onto mm. her when she wakes up. And that's how I feel about pain in the necks. Mm -hmm. People that you meet in life who are just difficult. Like you're just a pack of cards. Like I'm not going to kill myself over you. I'm, I'm, I'm enormously bigger than you in, in some way, even though you don't yeah. think so. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at life. Thank you, Lewis Carroll. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's inspiring. How so? How can people get a hold of you if they want? Uh, Francisco the caterer. Don't if you no, to... don't go that direction. <laughs> no, let's give you some. Okay, so uh, you, you, do... you can look at franciscotheweddingplanner.com. Certainly, um, you can also Google Huffington Zach. X A Q U E is my first name. Yeah. Um, Huffington Zach will bring you to my, all my Huffington Post blogs and articles. Or you can email me. Can I give up my email? Do whatever you want. So my email is X-A-Q-U-E, which is my first name, Zach, 
TV, because I work in TV so much, yeah. at yahoo.com. ZachTV at yahoo.com. Can I reveal what Zach is short for? Yeah. So Zach is short for Xavier, right? Right. Which is one because I always wondered why I thought you were all Hollywood with the weird no. spelling of Zach. No. Then I found out, and it's like one of my favorite names, Xavier Roberts uh, from the Cabbage Patch Kids. Right. <laughs> so Xavier was my confirmation name. When you're in, when you're Catholic and you're like a teenager, right. you uh you have to pick a confirmation name. Yeah. And so I picked Xavier, and then it was kind of long for people to say, I guess, and so then they just all said Zach. So, Zach has been my name since I was 17. No kidding. Mm -hmm. It's a great name. I love it. It's one of my favorite names. Okay. Um, all right, well, I'll let you go. Zach, thank you so much for taking time out, <laughs> thank man. Thank you is so, so much, wonderful. Dan. Yeah. This is amazing. All right, and I'm full of fascination. You are. <laughs> and uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, have a good night.